we're going to get into a name that is really important to me, Jehovah, uh, Jehovah Rapha. And I'm going to tell you why it's important to me. It's not just because of the meaning of the name. It's important to me because of the misunderstanding of the name. Can I tell you guys, if I heard a name of God in the last 13, 14 months of my journey, it's been this name. But it's been associated in so many wrong ways that it's disheartening. Because people will say, God is going to heal Logan. Why? He has to because he's Jehovah Rapha. And I know that there's verses that I'm going to show you guys tonight that are probably going to rock your world because people have taken them out of context and caused so much confusion in this way. I am not saying that God is not the healer of sickness and disease because he absolutely is. But anyways, I'm going to start talking before we even get there. So this is the story of God leading the children of Israel out of Egypt, out of bondage. So God hears their affliction. It's a bad situation. They are beat. They're abused. They're enslaved. I want you guys to have a mental picture that Moses didn't just walk into a good situation and like let my people go. No, I'm not going to. Describe to me what was going on with the children of Israel. They were slaves. They were slaves. And when we... They were abused. They were slaves. Slavery is sin and wickedness. I don't care what culture it is. It's, it's sick. It's wickedness. They, they, it was wickedness back then. They, were, they had taskmasters. They would beat them to build up false gods and false idols and all those things. They, they were in a bad spot. They, they were hopeless. They, they had nothing going on to be able to help them get out of that. And, and the more uh, the situation that, that time went on, the worse things got. That was in a situation they couldn't get themselves out of. And I, I think maybe at some point they just figured out that this is going to be the way that it is, where life is just this way and, and nothing's going to change. And so I have uh, put some verses in there, but for the main part of this, uh, I, I want you guys to follow up around, along in your Bibles. If you guys notice that we don't put the verses on the screen, I literally went to Richard and said, don't put the verses on the screen. I have some verses in your notes. If you have to flip somewhere... Because I want you guys to get used to studying this in your Bible. Mark this stuff in your Bible and stuff. So Exodus chapter 3 verse 7. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the afflictions of my people, which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So at the very beginning of this, God makes a statement. He, he desires to know, or for us to know, that he cares. He said, I know what you're going through. I know it's bad. I know it's hard. And you guys know my story. I know a lot of your stories. You need to know this. God knows your story. God knows where you're at, the feelings you have. He said, I've seen their sorrows. I've heard their cry. I've heard their emotions. I know what they're going through. God cares about where you're at in life. So in the middle of this situation, God shows up. And there's no greater lie, I, I think, for Christians to hear today is, is to believe the lie that God just doesn't care. You know what I'm saying? You're going through this and, you know, Satan will come up and be like, well, where's your God? And why isn't he helping you? And why isn't he doing anything? And if God really loved you, if God really cared, and I'm sure that they're going through all this. So he tells Moses, I've heard their cry. I see their tears. I know what they're going through. So God sends Moses in there and he says this, and I want to lay this just as a reminder when we get this. He says, by the name Elohim, they know me. But by the name Jehovah, they have not known me. You guys remember that when we went through that story? He said, I want them to know me as a personal God. Now, the personal God of Jehovah was the, at the beginning, God created everything. Elohim, Elohim, Elohim. It was the distance God. But when God created man, 
And I know this is review. It says, and the Lord God created man. And the Lord God breathed into his nostrils. And the Lord God went looking for man in the garden. And the Lord God made coats of skin to clothe them. At the beginning, it was just God, God, God. But when it came to the interaction of man, God used his personal name of connection, which was the Lord God. So when he gets to this story, he said, they don't know me as Jehovah. They only know me as God. That's important because we're going to get into this. So that's when God sends them in. Ten plagues of Egypt, Passover happens. They leave. Uh, the, the, what I talked about on Sunday about the leavened bread. Uh, what was part of the reason, which I didn't get to get into on Sunday, what was part of the reason that they had to have leavened bread when they were doing the Passover feast? They were in a rush to get out. They were in a rush to get out. There was no time for it to even rise. They didn't have time. It was part of the principle of something. Do you remember when they had to hightail it out of Egypt? And now they have this bread that has no yeast. It had no time to rise. But it also had the symbolism of the no sin inside of it. So they get to this point and things get worse. So they're leaving Egypt. Why do things get worse? Guys, tell me what happens. They come to a roadblock, which was the Red Sea. And then what happens behind them? Pharaoh comes. So what is the principle of the story that we always tell when we get to this story? What, what, what is, you get, you're going to get to a Red Sea moment in your life, and God's going to do what? Yeah, that's right. Between a rock and a hard place. I've heard that message title before. Between a rock and a hard place. But we normally teach that God, that God will make a way when there is no way. Now, you guys believe that? Yeah. Uh, he did. He literally split the sea and made a way when there was no way. He did the impossible. But I'm going to tell you guys... And I'm going to show you tonight that the story means so much more than that. This was a complete setup by God. It was a complete 100% setup by God to be able to do something for them that would absolutely change their life. And, and, and I think just saying that God will make a way. No, it's tr- it's, there's more to that. Along the journey, and I talked about this on Sunday, along the journey, God wants to change you and teach you. He is not just bringing you on a journey of, of problems and things like that just to be like for you to just pray to him. It's, it's, of course we pray to him, but along the way, he's trying to get us to ask, what are you trying to teach me along the way? God is working. So that is true. So God makes a way when there is no way, but let me show you this. God desires for us to know that he is a God that conquers. So this is what happens. So God conquered the grip of those who held him captive. This is a visual, and I, I'm going to, I've said this before, if, uh, I, I love how God does this in the Bible. He, he like is, but like Bob, oh, what's Bob's last name? Painter guy? Ross. He's in Ross. You know what I'm saying? How God's trying to teach you, and everybody loves watching those videos. I like watching those videos. Maybe I'm just weird. Okay, so I, I like watching those videos because you're trying to figure out what, what is he drawing right there. Oh, it's like, that's a, that's a river. Oh, my goodness, that's a mountain, or that, those are birds right there. Just caps, I want you guys to know, as God gives us stories like this, he's painting a picture. He, he is visual. Guys, we are visual learners. I'm a visual learner. God knows that we're visual learners. So God's going to paint a picture for us as we do this. So this is a visual of the world and sin in our past. Think, think about the past that you're coming out of. Okay, for them, the past that they were coming out of was oppression. It, it, was, it was idol worship. It was going to bed with scars on your back and bleeding and all this stuff. It was bad. Man, they're leaving their past. So some of you have a past with different things. And, and I, I, the devil doesn't give up on you. 
he, he will chase you down. He will try to do so. Here they are leaving their past. Could God not have just said, okay, Pharaoh, you stay there and let them go? You know, God didn't have to have their past chase after them. So chapter 14, verse 5, and it was told the king of Egypt that the people fled and his heart of Pharaoh and his servants was turned against the people. And they said, why have we done this? That they have let Israel go from serving us. And they made ready his chariots and took his people with them. So here we go, this, this glimpse uh, that they're, they're getting past uh, their past, they're moving forward, and all of a sudden their past starts chasing out with them to like chase them down and things. Then they have their sights in front of them of the children of Israel stuck in this raging army headed towards them. You know, I, I want you guys to get this. Sometimes God brings us to places in our lives that we can't overcome. He, he literally does. That is the hardest thing in the world. Because what can you do in those circumstances? Just say it. Nothing. <laughs> There's nothing you could do. I mean, they didn't have the ability to run after the children or, or after the army and try to fight back. And they had no ability for all of them to jump in the Red Sea and swim. I mean, there is, and, and, and who brought them to the Red Sea? You guys think about it. Who, God, God brought them to the Red Sea. God brought them to this place. And I know that some of you guys are there right now. There's nothing you can do. So verse 13, Moses said unto the people, Fear not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you to this day. And the Egyptians whom we have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. Can I reread the first part of that just, just for the sake of reading this? And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, stand still, and see the salvation of who? The Lord. Well, wait a minute. Tell me, guys, what's significant about that name? That's the name that they didn't know God by. So it's almost like, you know, the God that's going to fight for you. You know, the God that loves you, the God that came to rescue you. Watch what he can do. It's, it's because before it was just a name. I come to you the name of the Lord. But now he keeps interjecting in this. It's not just Elohim that I'm telling you about. I want you to stand still and watch this which he will show you this day for the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. So you think about this. What was God about to do? God was about to conquer their past. He said it right there. He didn't just say, hold on, I'm going to make a way when there seems to be no way. He literally said, stand still. Today, this is my agenda. This is what you're going to do. The, the Egyptians that have ruled over you today, you shall see them again no more. I'm going to do something. In verse 14, the Lord shall fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. Now again, I think this is a, a, an important thing that God's really worked on my heart about. And you say, you already preached this on Sunday, you did it the other week, I know. But let me tell you, faith is moving forward when nothing makes sense. Faith is not, if you read my Facebook post last night, faith is not just saying that God is able, because they could have just stood there and said, God is able, you know, God do something. God says, move. Literally, it's like, what? It's like, what, what do you want me to do right here? He said, tell them to move forward. Now, in their minds, you're thinking, is he, is he trying to just kill us all? Is he trying to just to destroy us? We're standing at the brink of the Red Sea here. And you want us to move forward? 
But faith is listening and trusting God when it doesn't make sense. I I did devotions with the staff uh, Tuesday morning, and I brought them to Hebrews 11. And and I tell you, I'm, I'm going to be doing this in the church sometime. I don't know when. But the whole thing is all about faith. Did you notice that it wasn't, it's not, it's, not, it's not a chapter that they just sit there and talk about how, how God heard their elaborate prayers. By faith, Enoch. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Isaac. By faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. You know how they had a whole chapter written about them? It wasn't the fact that they threw a rock. It wasn't about the fact that he sacrificed his son or attempted to sacrifice. It was about the fact that they moved with faith. And I believe the reason that a lot of times that our generation does not see a move of God is because when things don't make sense, we stop and we're just like, well, I'm just not doing this. And we miss out on the Red Sea moments. We miss out on the Goliaths falling. And we miss out on the, the, the Jehovah Jireh at the top of the mountain. I know I'm saying this a lot. Maybe I'm just preaching to myself. So you guys just listen when with me as I'm doing this. He said, but, thou, but lift thou up thy rod and stretch it out in thy hand over the sea and divide it, and the children of Israel shall go on dry land, ground through the midst of the sea. And that was true. But what did God want them to do? Be still. Just wait. Let me do this. Let me do this for you. Here's the next thing. God conquered the obstacles that held them back. Now, this is, this is the beauty of this story, okay? Can you imagine going through something traumatic? And, and, and I been through some stuff. I know you guys have been messes with you, doesn't it? If you've ever been in a car accident before, when you see a car coming behind you and see it in the rear view mirror, you tense up. You guys know what I'm talking about? For people that have been through traumatic things like being raped before, being stalked before, people that have been shot at or people that have been mugged, it messes with you. It, it's, it's like if you've ever been in an abusive relationship before, it messes with you. It's, it's like I'm I'm scared. People have no peace. Why? Because I'm afraid that they're going to come back after me. I'm afraid this is going to come. So let me show you. And God not only does this, but remember, this is Bob Ross. He's painting the picture. I want you to visualize this. And the Egyptians pursued. This is uh, 14 verse 22. And the Egyptians pursued and went in after them in the midst of the sea, even all Pharaoh's horses and his chariots and his horsemen. And it came to pass that the morning watch that the Lord looked onto the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and the cloud, which we didn't talk about, super cool though, and troubled the host of the Egyptians and took off their chariot wheels that they drave them heavily, literally got stuck in the mud so that the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of Israel for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. Now I could stop and preach right here and I really want to, okay? God is the God that manifests his power. Okay, and, and I'm... I'm at a point really in my life that I, I want to really ask for that. Because people will say, well, God does things that we don't understand behind the scenes. And I agree with that. But I can tell you through the Bible, God will step out from behind the scenes and say, I am God. Watch me. You guys know what I'm talking about? God does that stuff. He will bring revival. God, God, will, God will bring provision to your life. God will, with... with uh, you know, you got Jezebel reigning during the time and he's like, who is this God? And he, and Elijah bows down before God and the fire came out of heaven. Did God have to do that? No, but God manifested his power. So I I want you guys to see in this passage, it's not just for the believers. 
You, you want to know why it's so important to move forward by faith? You want to know why you move forward when it doesn't make sense? Because maybe it's not just that you need to see it, the world needs to see it. Do you understand that the ones that were worshiping a Nile River and they're worshiping frogs and they're doing all this ridiculous stuff back in Egypt is now in the midst of the water being held back left and right of them? And you know what they say? They weren't just saying maybe the gods of Egypt are... No, let me... For the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. You know who said that? Oh, look in the verse or the part before the, the Egyptians said... Let us flee from the face of them for God's fighting for them. Wouldn't that be a great thing for Satan to get a taste of that when it comes to our children? Amen. Don't mess with those kids. You know why? Because that, that's a church that the, the Lord fights for them. But again, don't talk about it anymore if we're not willing to go when it doesn't make sense. When we're not willing to push forward. Verse 26, and the Lord said unto Moses, stretch out thy hand over the sea, and the waters may come again on the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to the strength of the, when the morning appeared, and the Egyptians fled against it. And the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea, and the waters returned and covered the chariots, and the horsemen, and the host of Pharaoh came into the sea after them, and there remained not so much as one of them." Now, just stop for a minute and get the visual. That represented their past, the oppression, who they were. Do you know who you were before? You were a slave. You were bound. You were afflicted. You were scared. You were oppressed. God says, go ahead, come here. Let them come. He brings them to this place. Brings them down in there. And then you know what happens after that? In the midst of it, God washes over and God covers Everything in the midst of the children of Israel standing on the edge, God covers everything that oppressed them in their past. Now you tell me if that doesn't remind you of something in the New Testament. You talk about God buried in the likeness of his death, raised to walk in newness of life, how God buries our past and buries. Where is your sin as far as the east is from the west? It's, it's in the depths of the sea. It's all the descriptions that he had that God conquers our past. And, and he's visualizing this for them. But when the children of Israel walked upon the dry land in the midst of the sea, the waters were a wall unto them on the right hand and the left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. You think about it. It's like, you don't have to look over your shoulder anymore. I fight for you. And Israel saw the great work which the Lord had did upon the Egyptians. And the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. And you see what God did is God conquered the past that caused them hurt. God did something amazing at the end of this story. See, it represented everything that they did in their past, every scar, every pain, every bad dream, every nightmare, every, all the affliction, all the looking over their shoulders. And God says, I will not allow your past to haunt you. I will cover it. God said no more. It's amazing how God does this because I tell you, in our lives, we can sometimes run the race. And the Bible says that Paul said this. I said, forgetting those things which are behind. You know why? Because they're under the blood of Jesus Christ. They're forgiven. They cannot come back to haunt you. Guys, let me tell you, I don't care what your past is, what your addiction was, what your rap sheet was, what your record was. Here's the thing. Underneath the blood of Jesus Christ, it cannot touch you. You, you stand forgiven before Jesus Christ. 
And you say, oh, you're reading into it. Oh, let me show you. I am totally not reading into this. Everything of the Old Testament is constantly pointing to Jesus. Everything is pointing to Jesus Christ. And I'll prove that here in a minute. You're thinking, I thought this was about Jehovah Rapha. Is it 737 already? Holy cow. Man. Okay. All right. Lord, give me. We're either going to stop or we'll see what happens because we got a long way to go. This is, I, this is just, it's just, there's just so much in there. You know why I like doing this? Because, guys, it, it should not be a matter of these stories just being the, the Yes, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> They're more than stories. I want you guys to see the God of the story. And more than just the God of the story, but the application of the story. The application of the story is the fact that we are these people and he is the same God because he's the same God yesterday and today and forever. God gave them this visual. And I said this already, but let me say this again. I love the fact that God speaks our language. You know what? One of the favorite things that I love about Easter, because he didn't just die on the cross. He came out of the tomb. You know what the tomb represented? Now, when he died on the cross, he said it is finished. What was finished? Sacrifice for our sins was finished. The empty tomb was the proof. That was Jesus being able to look at the tomb and be able to say, I told you so. Because if we would have gone through life saying, did Jesus really conquer our sins? Oh, he said he would. You know, or, or did he really conquer death, hell, and the grave? He said he would. But you know, every person that believed, and the Bible talks about the many infallible proofs that followed after that was the fact that he was proving, I am who I say that I am. Amen. I, 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 I think that this, God gives us visuals even today. And you say, it's not about a sign. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that God manifests his power. God proves to us. Even baptism, every time somebody gets saved, we bring them up there. It's, it's a visual. It's a manifestation. It's an outward demonstration of an inward thing. It's more than inward. Go before the church and testify. That's what God wants us to do. Even communion. When we have communion, we slow down. We have that service. This is my body broken for you. It's a visual. See, we're all tangibly holding it. This is my blood. What have you done to mess up? I've messed up. Hey, let me remind you that Jesus Christ has died to forgive us of our sins. Now, let, let me show you Micah 7, 19. Thou will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. Yeah. Let me tell you how, how often God starts making this comparison of the things of what he does is he buries the old things in our lives and does this. Everything that he's doing is pointing to this. So notice their testimonies. Notice the response to this. Watch their testimony because I tell you, when God manifests his power and he does something because we obeyed and we move forward when life doesn't make sense and we trust God, when life doesn't make sense and we start getting bitter and angry and upset, notice the response in verse 2. And the Lord, this is them crying out, the Lord is my strength and my song. He's become my salvation. I, I, I love the breakdown of what he says in this. He said, the Lord is my strength and my song. Okay, think, think about what, what is a song? What, what is a song to us? It's joy. It's testifying. It, this is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. It's, it's, it's a joyful thing. Of, and God loves to work in our lives in such a way that he can put a song in our lips and a song in our heart for us to rejoice and praise him. I was... Um, I told the staff this, that I, I did this. I, I, uh, for some reason, my backyard 
grows faster the grass than my front yard. I don't know why. I haven't figured it out. But my grass will grow twice as fast in the back. I'm sure it's shading and things like that. So I told Jenny, I said, I'm going to go outside and just cut the backyard because the front yard doesn't mean it. Two and a half hours later, I come back in the house. And she was like, I thought you were just cutting the back. I cut the back. I cut the front. I weed-eated. I trimmed. I edged. I blew it all off. I cleaned off the porch and everything. You're just saying, you got in the zone. I did, but not in the way that you're thinking. I had my earbuds in. And I tell you, I was, I was just so caught up. And, and in where I'm at in life right now, I'm just like, I need to hear this. I need to hear this. I need to hear this. See, when God begins to work in your life, you don't have to be prompted to sing or testify. Look at what God is doing, and the Lord is my strength. They're walking away from there. And by the way, who are they bragging about? Just, just don't miss this. The Lord is my strength. What's the big deal about that, guys? Tell me, what's the big deal? It's, it's personal now. It is, it is not, God, the great I am has come to set you free. Now they're like, my God did that. That was my God that set me free. That was my God that conquered. That was my God that overthrew the enemies. And it went on, not only is it something that God did for them, but it was the strength of literally, let's go again. Because the fact is, if God did that, look at what God can do. He's my strong. He's become my salvation. Listen, look at verse 3. The Lord is a man of war. Man, he fights for me. He stands for me. My God is my defense. It, it is, if God before me, who can be against me? He's declaring the Lord is his name. And again, you guys get the boy. <laughs> it's like the name of God, the name of God, the name of God. It's personal now with them. Verse 5, the depths have covered them. They sank to the bottom as a stone. Thy right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, hath dashed in pieces the enemy. There's so much more to this. Then we get to verse 22. And so Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out in the wilderness ashore, and they went three days into the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to the place of Mara, they could not drink of the waters of Mara, for they were what? Bitter. Bitter. Therefore, the name of the Lord, uh, the name of it was called Mara, and the people murmured. Did you guys notice the place that they came to and the description of the water was the same? Did anybody notice that? Yes. The water was bitter. And what do you find? It gathered all around that water. You're just like, the water was bitter, and God brought them to this. So guess what name we're about to talk about? What, what is introduced in the next verse or two right now? Who can tell me? Jehovah Rapha. And you're thinking, what? <laughs> what? How, how can you tie in? Wait, wait a minute here. How can you tie in Jehovah Rapha to bitter waters? And why did you go out of your way to talk about the, the Red Sea because the Red Sea set up this story of what God was going to do in their life. And yes, you've catch, you caught on. It's 7.45. We're going to stop. Uh, because, um, and I hate doing this. I hate stopping in the middle of a lesson. But I, I am not going to rush through this to where we just knock it out. Um, we, we, are, we, are, we are building a relationship with God. That's what we're doing. Yeah. We're walking in the Spirit of God and allowing God to speak to our hearts as we learn about him, because here's the thing, you're going to need to know that God is your Jehovah Rapha. Yeah. 
And I just challenge you with this, okay? There is a verse in the Bible that is taken out of context all the time. And that is this, by his stripes, we are healed. And I have had so many people, and if you're one of them in here, I love you to death, and I'm not knocking you down by any means at all. I'm not saying that because the principles still apply. But I think that sometimes we take Scripture and don't fully understand the background of what God's teaching us. And so what we're going to do is we're going to roll into this story of Mara. We're going to break it down and explain who Jehovah Rapha is, the name of the meeting, and how it applied to their circumstance, and then roll it right into the New Testament of how it applies to us. Because I want us to know that, yes, God is a healer. Can you guys say amen to that? God is a healer. He is a master. He is over disease. He's over sickness. He's over uh, depression, mental anxiety. He's, He's over demonic activity. He's over spiritual depression, all those kind of things. He is Jehovah Rapha.